moment, love the Lord. I thank you, Jesus Christ. I praise your great and mighty and holy name. We want to do your great will, Lord, and I give you thanks for everything you're doing. I give you praise this very day. Jesus' great name. Everybody said amen. amen. All right. If you have a Bible, I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Acts. Book of Acts. All right. Thank God. Beautiful day. Thank God to be in his house on this beautiful day. All right. We are uh, in Acts chapter 2. I enjoy reading. I'm going to try to read the first five verses, but I want to focus on verse 5. It said, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. I would like to work on the this gospel, this whole gospel to this whole world. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. All right. All right. I am most thankful that Jesus did not limit the truth to just a few people. I'm thinking if he had, then I wouldn't be here. And, uh, but because he opened this up to everybody everywhere, then that meant we all had a chance and an opportunity to be in the body of Christ and to go to heaven. There is uh, a sadness for people who do not claim their right to this heritage. You know, the book of Lamentations talked about a person's right before the Lord, that uh, there's a lot of clamor that goes on around the world about people's rights, and I certainly am glad about that people can have rights and can fight for those rights, certainly don't want them to fight with guns and everything else, that's not what I mean, but that they would be thankful that they could have a right for freedom, shall we say and uh, human rights as a human being. It's, uh, it's a worthy thing. But how much more when we finally learn that these priorities are to always be spiritual. We want to keep the spiritual where it belongs, and that is at the highest level. God help us to get our minds in a place to where we realize that our priority is to be set, as the Bible said, on heavenly things, okay? Not on earthly things, 
we are not to look down, we're to look up. We're not to be sad and dejected and uh, feel all kinds of put down. And Jesus even told people in a difficult time, in the days of His flesh, on the way to the cross, He said, don't weep for me. To have your future uh, set, shall we say, in stone or in the rock, and that you, you know, as Jesus said, I know from whence I come and I know whither I go. To have that kind of direction, to have that kind of solidness, in solidity in your mind, your heart, and your thinking, that you're not going to allow yourself to be cast down or to look down or to be dejected in any way, shape, or form, but that you're going to lift up your eyes and your head and that you're going to look to Him who is higher than the heavens and that you're going to realize that you're a part of the nation's that hear the gospel. Now, Jesus is not, he's going to come back, but he's not going to come back until this gospel is preached as a witness to all nations. All nations. And that's how it started in Acts chapter 2, that there was this great appearance of the salvation of the Almighty, that he sent a sound from heaven to obedient people. Now wasn't it, and isn't it really sad, that 380 folks, they had other places to go and other things to do and, and did not give heed to what they were told and thought they had a better idea and that they could just, you know, make their own rules and have their own parameters and I go over here, or I go over there. Let me tell you something. People shop. You know, people are going to go shopping to get what they want. And they apply that same thought pattern to church. And they just kind of shop it around. Let me tell you, you better base what you're doing and uh, where you're trying to go and, and what you're trying to have. You better base it on truth. You don't base it on, you know, oh, I like the music, you know, or I, I like the shape of the building, or they really have comfortable pews, and well, their air conditioning works good, or whatever, you know. There's so many different things that people can, you know, get comfortable with, and that's why they make their choice. Maybe it's, maybe it's built around uh, what they're allowed to do or what's promoted. Uh, and allowed uh, what becomes permissive. But you want to make your selection or your choice or the inclination, the inclination that you might be feeling. You want it to be because of truth. You want it to be because of chapter and verse. You want it to be because of what Jesus Christ not only said, but what He is saying. That's what you want to do. You don't want to get it mixed up with carnal things. Well, they have a really good team. You know, we're going to play football or basketball or softball. You know. I saw a church here in town many, many years ago. And uh, they begin to build all of their 
congregation on their softball team. And they got involved with softball. And they got all these different men excited about it and coming out. But you know what? When the softball season was over, all the men were gone. It's going to take more than something carnal, number one, to save you, and number two, to keep you saved, to make you a part of what the Lord is doing. Now, if you watch and follow and read the steps of Jesus Christ, that is God, who is a spirit, coming invisible, come in the flesh visibly. And he walked among men. And he preached to them. He taught them. He took them on picnics. And, and he preached to them and taught them the word of God in those picnics. And he was endeavoring to get them to think on a higher level. To think spiritual and not carnal. He told them, he said, some of you follow because of the fish and the loaves. You're not laboring for the right thing. You need to begin to set your affections, your emotions, your feelings on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. Not on things that are earthly because they're sensual and they're devilish and they do not produce what needs to be produced to go, Jesus is saying, to my heaven, to be a part of what I have planned. You're going to have to start thinking a little higher here. You're going you're to have to realize that you need an experience. Jesus made it crystal clear to a man that was very well situated in this life. He said, you must be born again. He could have said how many things to this guy when he was just a child. And Mary, and as was supposed his father, Joseph, they had gone to Jerusalem, as was the the way it was in those days, to worship. And they're now going home. They're heading back towards Nazareth. And along the way, Jesus has slipped from their company. They don't know where he's at. And they begin to sorrow for him. They begin to look for him. But when they finally found him, they found him in church. They found him asking and answering questions. And here he was, just a child. And when his mother appealed to him in a form of scolding him, you might say, and she said, why have you dealt with us this way? In other words, we were so scared. There's so many people in this city and we didn't know where you were. We didn't know what become of you. And, and, and you know, we'd probably say, man, you'd like to give me a heart attack, you know, or something like that. And... Jesus answered her and he said, don't you know, I'm putting it as plainly as I can, don't you know that I must be about the business of the Spirit? Don't you know that that's the priority? That that's what needs to be done? There are many things we could do. There are many places we could go. But he said, this is what we need to do. This is what we must needs do, to use a scriptural phrase. We must needs be about our Father's business. We've got to do this. There's things we can do, but they're not going to matter. You're going to have a little 
What did the Bible say? Uh, that pleasure of sin, but it's only for a season. Now the season here, among the sugar, is just getting cranked up. And for the state of Florida, it's just getting cranked up. There are many cities in the state of Florida that are in great anticipation of this season because the snowbirds come in. People will come from the north, and people will want to literally get away from the snow, and they've already had some, believe it or not, and uh, they'll want to get away from that frigid cold weather. They'll want to come down here to sunny South Florida, and they'll want to get here where it's nice and warm. I love to uh, have conversation with, you know, some preacher will call me from way up north and, and say, how's it going? And I go, oh, it's a rough day. It's only 80 degrees. You know, and I know he's up there probably in 32 below or something like that, you know, and he's just freezing. And he'll give me the old ha, 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 <laughs> like and everything. But I, I truly am very thankful for our beautiful Florida, South Florida weather. I always like to emphasize to people that I'm not just from Florida, I'm from South Florida. I'm down there where it's really comfortable, you know. So I am saying to you that uh, the things of this life, though, are just for a short season. It's only for a little while. It's, it's uh, whatever pleasure you might seek after, whatever thing you might be feeling pulled by and attracted to as you shop through life with your little cart. You could, you could find yourself selling out for just a very short season. When there is a voice, a sound, that came and comes from heaven. And it's to every nation. It's to everybody, without exception. And he's trying to tell you that there is a salvation. Just as he looked at that Supreme Court judge of the land, maybe he had his black flowing robe on, you know, just stepped down off the bench and heard that Jesus was down the street and headed on down there. And begin to talk to him. And begin to tell him, we know. We've been talking about you. We know. We've been considering you and what you're offering. We know that thou art a teacher. Come from the Spirit. And because no man can do what you do. And have what you have. And portray what you portray. And as it is written, your, your doctrine is astonishing. And it's with authority. We've never heard it this way. You know, sometimes the very thing that people need is the very thing that they resist. The very thing that, as is written about Stephen, who was also one of the seven, and how that he finished up his tour of duty of making sandwiches and Kool-Aid, and his time came, and he began to, having been taught by the apostles in the church, and he went to a certain group of people, and he began to minister unto them. And he, I have all ideas from what I read in the Bible, that he told them very nicely. He taught them very nicely. I don't read that he was ugly or rude or in their face or anything like that, but that he truly had a burden for them. And he began to tell them, the only problem was, he evidently had a little background in history. He was quite the historian. And in giving them the sermon that he gave them, the teaching that he gave them, 
uh, he was actually giving them their history. And unfortunately, for most of us, our history doesn't usually read too well. And they got mad. And everything he was saying was for their benefit. Everything he was saying was going to help them because we can learn from history if we will. We can learn that, thank you for showing us how not to do it. Don't want to do it that way. You can sometimes say that to yourself. Boy, I did it this way and I oughtn't have done it that way. Seemed like a good idea at the time, but it certainly proved out to be a, a bad idea. Don't want to repeat that mistake again. Don't want to be a two and three and ten times loser here. Don't want to go back to that kind of way of doing things, that lifestyle. You know, Jesus is speaking to the heavens, from the heavens, to the nations. And he's trying to tell you there's a better way. He's trying to tell you, I am offering it up to you. It's not coming on a silver platter. It came on an old rugged cross. He didn't, he didn't come on a great white stallion or a golden stallion, golden palomino stallion. He didn't come that way. He came meek and lowly. Came on a donkey down the middle of the street of town. And they turned out, and they began to cry, and they began to say, save us. Something inside of them connected with him, and they knew that what he had they needed. He was not just reaching to Israel. He was bringing it to the Jew first, but it became crystal clear in the Scriptures that it was to be to all nations, that he would be a light to all nations, that he would reach to everybody. He would reach to areas that are considered remote. He would reach to areas that uh, people would look down on. Philip, one of the seven, went down to Samaria. They were people who were looked down on. They were people who were outcasts. They were people who were not accepted. And people looked at them very condescendingly, much like, we'll say, Goliath looked at David, just looking down on him. But you know, the Bible teaches that God visited Samaria. God gave them the message from the church, from heaven, to all nations. And these people were so, the Bible teaches that the whole entire city, save one, was filled with the Holy Ghost. That devils were casted out. The sick were healed. People were so excited and had responded so enthusiastically with such faith in what the preacher was saying. The trained preacher, the disciplined preacher, the preacher who was under the tutelage and the authority of the apostles and the prophets. And how that he just in a simple manner began to bring them what he had been taught. He brought Christ to that city. He didn't bring fake. He didn't bring phony. He didn't bring, you can't lose with the stuff I use. You know, he didn't bring that junk. You understand? It wasn't any rhinestones on his coat. He was standing on the rock and he brought the message and God confirmed the message and people were saved. People were delivered. People that were, had been drunks were no longer interested in drinking. People that was nostrils were eaten out with cocaine no longer desired cocaine because they got something better. They got something greater. Much greater, much better. They got delivered from the, that small, short season of, of sin. 
that little pleasure of sin that's connected there. They got delivered from that. They started looking up. They started thinking long-term here. They realized that the, the uh, short-term gain, was, that little pleasure of sin, was not worth the long-term loss that they were facing. And there is something after death. There is something beyond this life. And you're able to taste of that. It is written, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. But you get a little, a little blessing. Many people, though, unfortunately, take the blessing and run. And they think that that's it. There's much more to this than the blessing. There's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad for the blessing. I'm glad for the, the joyful feeling. The, but remember, that's just a, a little appetizer. That's just a little taste. Uh, uh, but you can find that beyond tasting the powers of the world to come, that you can actually be made to sit in a heavenly place. Now let me read to you. Here a few weeks ago, I believe I uh, had taught on keeping your first estate. That what God gives you, you want to keep it. You don't want to give it up for anything. You get in the church, you stay with the church. You get rooted and grounded and settled. Okay? You get in the church and this is it. You become a lifer. An eternal lifer. Okay? This isn't just for a, a little season. That's what sin is. But this, this is to stay with you. This is to stay with you for all of eternity. In the book of uh, Isaiah, I want to read to you from chapter 14. And I'd like for you to, to listen to this because this is going to tell you about the devil and how he left his first estate. And this is found in the 14th chapter of the book of Isaiah and said in verse 9, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth, it hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. Remember, this gospel is to all the nations. It is to everybody in those nations. God is doing a work, but so is the enemy. You better remember that. You better learn to recognize him. And what that song say, and get, let him get his junk out of here. But you don't want anything to do with him. Okay. You're not going to sell out for a little short pleasure of this world. But you're reaching for something better. Now he goes on to say here, in verse, I'm finishing verse 9. It said, all the thrones, or their thrones, all the kings of the nations, and they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy bowls. The worm is spread unto thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Oh, he kept not his first estate. Can you, now you would sit here and say, man, you kidding? If I, if I had heaven, man, I wouldn't be leaving. You do have heaven. You do have a taste of heaven. You do have the earnest or the down payment of it. 
you have, you can, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, when we baptize you in that tank or in some body of water, we baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ after you've repented of your sins. And you are then filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You then, my friend, are placed in the, you're born again into the body of Christ, which is the church, which is the congregation of the mighty. It's not just this congregation, but you're plugged into the overall, all the nations, people from every nation, every tribe, every language, every race, people are baptized in Jesus' name. People are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The church bounced out of the upper room in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2, and friend, they went to work. They begin to fill their city with this doctrine. They begin to fill it with the name of Jesus Christ. And they didn't stop there. I told you. Philip went to Samaria. Stephen goes down to a group. And people begin to hear and obey. And it begin to spread more and more and more as they reached into other countries. And that's why you've got a congregation at Rome and a book to the Romans. That's why you've got a congregation at Galatia. People called Galatians and there's a book or a message written to them because new works were started in new fields and they kept spreading, raising up, sending forth, going out and people were hearing it under every nation under heaven were hearing this message and they were saying, let me buy into that heavenly real estate. Let me get something that will never fade away. Never fade away. You say, well, you know, if I had if I had something that good, man, I wouldn't let that go. Well, Lucifer did. So you better know that you can let go. And you better determine not to let go. And you know what? Only you can do it. The Bible teaches that Jesus said, I'll put you in a hand that no man will pluck you out. That there is no devil. There is no excuse. There's nothing that you can point to when you're baptized in Jesus' name and you have the Holy Ghost. That will be a justification for why you leave. Why you go out of that precious nail-scarred hand. Why you would allow yourself to be cheated and talked out of and enticed by spirits uh, that would just want to dangle before you a little short-term thing. You know, People that are involved in this world. They, I've often said if somebody gets an elected office... Uh, the first thing is to get elected and get the office. And the next thing then is to spend all their days trying to get reelected. That's what they do. Well, you know, people of this world who are living for this world and the pleasures of this world, then that's what they do. Whatever they go after and they get it, then they spend the rest of their lives keep trying to keep it. Keep trying to keep it. Every waking second. A man or a woman that is addicted to some type of a drug, they don't hardly get the, the little feeling that they get pleasure from. And some things are chemical in the brain. But that little feeling only lasts a a little short time. And the next thing you know, man, they're on the prowl. And they're trying to figure out how they can get some more and do that again. And again, they've done uh, tests with uh, animals. For an example, little mice. And not happy about little mice right now because they're getting in the houses. But they will take these little test mice and they will make a little... uh, place where they can come up and they can drink. Uh, and, the, and in the drink will be the drug. And they'll 
see how the little rat, the little mouse, will respond. And they have seen them take it and fall over and act crazy and come back again. And do it and do it and do it until they kill themselves. And that's what human beings do. Whatever it is, whether it's a drug or something else, I'm telling you, the, the enemy knows our carnal nature. And he, he works on setting things up for you to get involved with something else and get distracted in some other way. And he wants to bring you down because I'm telling you something, he has come down. He was kicked out. He absolutely lost and gave away his heavenly place. He had it made. He had everything that God was making possible, but it wasn't enough. Why wasn't it enough? Well, I don't know what I can say about a devil having a carnal nature, <laughs> but uh, they certainly are having a nature, and, uh, but we have to talk about us, and we have a nature. We have a natural nature, and that's why it's so important for us to be born again, because then we can get a spiritual nature. We can get that which God placed in us like a seed. We can get that to be germinated. We can, we can get that born again, and it can begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives because the flesh and this nature only produces the works of the flesh. All the bad things, adultery, fornication, drunkenness, and on and on it goes, sleeping around, going around, all this casual stuff that goes on. and People don't care, look like, about anything except that little bit of pleasure for that little short moment. And then they go into fits of depression. And they have to go try to get it again and hope that it will give them something. But let me tell you, it's not lasting. Whereas this experience in God is lasting. You can keep this fire stoked and burning brightly. You can absolutely be a part of the heavenly. You can be a part of what Jesus Christ is offering you only now as, as a, a beginning. As, as I said, an earnest a part of your inheritance, just the beginning part. of it. It's just the small end of it, but it goes into something bigger than the heavens, greater than your mind can comprehend naturally. You've got to grow in grace and knowledge in this. You've got to be a part of the church and watch the hand of God operate and know that you are a part of that, that you are called by His name, that you are a son and a daughter, that you are washed in his blood, that you are have the inheritance of the saints. So he said here of Satan, thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy voles, the worm is spread unto thee, and the worms over thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cast down to the ground? which didst weaken the nations. And that's what he does. He goes about to weaken the nations. He, want, he minds our weaknesses. And he, I'm not bragging on him, but I am telling you that it is good to know your enemy. And friend, he knows, he knows about the weaknesses of the flesh. And he works on those weaknesses. And he's looking for a way to get in, to get you to be weak. One place said, how weak is thine heart? He wants to weaken us, but God, our God is strong, and He wants to strengthen us. He wants to put His strength in us. He wants to make us to stand. He wants to put an experience 
that will inflame your mind with holy power and a holy fire that will, what was it uh, the prophet Isaiah said? He said, uh, woe is unto me. He said, because I realize that I'm unclean and I live and dwell in an unclean land. But man, an angel was dispatched and took a burning hot coal, which was a type of the Spirit of God, the gift of the Holy Ghost, and touched him with it. And it absolutely gave him the most glorious experience. And he beheld the Lord high and lifted up his train filled. That means the victories, the victory. You can go from victory to victory. That's why it's important to be a part of the church, to be connected to the church so you can go from victory to victory so you can go from strength to strength you don't want to be a no-show you don't want to be a casual visitor you don't want casual nothing you want to be committed you want to be dedicated if you want to get addicted to something get addicted to God's power His Spirit His glory Amen that's why the enemy's working so hard to steal what you've got. Because he knows how good it is. Because he once was a partaker. But he turned his back on it. He got proud. He got lifted up. Matter of fact, if you look here with me and continue to read on, he said uh, he was cast down to the ground which did weakest, weaken the nations. Verse 13, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So you see what his, his motive was. He wanted to be God. He wanted to, to displace God. He thought he was going to kick God out. And it went just the opposite way, didn't it? It went just the opposite way. And out he went. Jesus made the statement in the New Testament that he beheld Satan fall from heaven as lightning. And friend, when he got here, he's done nothing but wreak havoc. Done nothing but make for wars and rumors of wars and all kinds of violence, and all kinds of addictions. And he's, he's out to destroy the works of God. God created the heavens and the earth, and the enemy is out to destroy it. Heard a man say one time, if he couldn't run it, he would destroy it. And that's just exactly the way the devil thinks. He couldn't run it in heaven. He couldn't get above God's throne. He couldn't take over. And because he couldn't, and he was thrust out, then he set in to destroy. He wanted to destroy it. And you better read your Bible and read it close. Because listen to what he said. He's on the heels of him saying, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. It said, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. All right? So what you better realize is that the nations had a choice in Acts chapter 2. Everybody from under the nation, the known world, heard it. They were there. You know, it's claimed in the, in the first century that the church was in having this experience, this great salvation. That in that first century, that everybody heard it in the known world. Now, you know, things hadn't gotten over this far west yet. But in the known world, where that was at, they had heard it. All down into what's known as Africa. All into the parts round about the Middle East. And even into parts of Asia. 
this great truth was brought. The people of God, the church, the body of Christ, did not allow themselves to just keep it to themselves, but they brought it to everybody. And they did it, what did the Bible say? They spoke the truth in love. They brought the love of God. They brought the power of God. They brought the message of God. And in doing that, you listen here because it tells you what the motivation of the enemy is, but what the reality is. When it said, yet thou shalt be brought down, that word yet tells me that there's an interim there. There's a period of time, and the enemy is doing his dirt. The enemy is doing his junk. Now, give you an example. When Jesus, during the days of his flesh, was betrayed by Judas. And remember now, he's in a place of prayer. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas had that there with him. He trained with Jesus and under Jesus. He had been there, and he knew the spot. And he led them right to him. He gave them inside information. He was an inside trader. And he brought that information to those people who wanted to destroy Jesus the Christ. But they didn't realize, of course. Had they known, they never would have done it. But, uh, you know, the Bible teaches that God takes the wise, the ones who think they're wise, in their own craftiness. God is always light years ahead. God's always way down the road. And He knows the beginning to the end. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And the devil is such a liar that he absolutely convinces people that they're going to they're gonna figure out something. They're going to outsmart God. They're gonna, and he's still trying to do just what he tried to do and failed. And that is to exalt himself over the Most High and to be in the sides of the north. But instead of the sides of the north, obviously a place of great esteem in the heavens, he's going to find himself in the sides of the pit. That's what your Bible says. But yet, the Bible said, yet, using that word, thou shalt be brought down. That yet means... As Jesus said, when they came for him, he said, this is your hour and the power of darkness. They were granted their moment. They were granted their little, to us it seems like a long time. But in, in the greatness of God, it is but a short season. And because the devil knows, the Bible said, that he hath but a short season, that he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He absolutely knows that in the back of his mind that he doesn't want to let anybody know is that his days are numbered. I remember prophecy going forth one time uh, in the congregation, tongues and interpretation, and the interpretation told the people that were in the congregation, those certain people in the congregation, that their days, their steps were numbered. Their steps were numbered. You better understand something. Satan knows. And his time is short. And because of that, he's just filled with rage. And he's going to and fro. And you're going to probably live during the time that you're going to uh, be a part of this earth rocking to and fro in a process of being dislodged from its orbit and getting ready to fall into a bottomless pit, a flame and a fire. You're living in a time when people are going to not repent for the evils which they do. That they will not be able to get a hold of an attitude to say, I'm sorry, and I want forgiveness, and I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and have all my sins washed away. People are going to be so hard in their hearts 
and a darkness will come upon the land, even a gross darkness, a hard, callousing darkness. I tell you, while you have the opportunity and that voice is being projected through the church, you know, Satan put his voice through the serpent because he is the old serpent. But, but God uses his church and he projects his voice through the church to this lost and dying city and world telling you that you can be born again, that you can buy into by your faith. It doesn't take money. It doesn't take you uh, trying to uh, use some great talents of some kind or a great intelligence. He's looking for your faith. He said, only believe. He's telling you something and saying, only believe. Here it is. Repent. Be baptized in my name, the name of Jesus Christ, and I will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Only believe that. But you see, you've got the devil through all kinds of religion telling people to just sign a card, just shake a hand, just show up. We'll put on some little program that you'll like and that will be your choice making right there on whether or not you like this little natural earthly thing that I'm promoting. I want you to realize that you need a spiritual experience. You need to set aside all the flesh. There are places on, and it's coming up to the first of the year, be 20 and 12, right? And, in, and there'll be that game, there'll be that time of what we have Super Church and they have Super Bowl. But there'll be that time, and there are many a so-called church that will set up a giant screen, and they will get people to come on that day. And they'll brag about how many they had that day. And they'll have the peanuts and the popcorn and all this different junk. They'll have that. And they'll all sit down. And that's what they will do on that day. Let me tell you, as long as I'm alive, by the grace of God, there'll never be no big screen here. And there'll never be no Super Bowl here. Okay? But there's going to be Super Church here. It's going to be super church here. Amen. Because we're, we're going for the long-term pleasure. We're going to world without end. We're not going and trying to do something that's just going to last a few minutes or a few hours or a few days. You know, it's like one fellow said uh, when the woman got preached to by Jesus at the well. And he said, she came with a bucket and she went home with the well. You know, you can settle for just a little something in this sinful world, the pleasure of sin being but a season, or you can, you can tell yourself, I'm going to get the big picture here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell out for what's going to last me for all of eternity. World without end. You're going to be in one place or the other. It's as simple as that. It boils down to lowest terms. To either going to be with the devil in hell, separated from God. World without end. Or you're going to be with Jesus. World without end. And the choice really is yours. Because he made it possible for you to choose. But you must choose. You must come to a place to where you're going to only believe what he says. 
that you're not going to listen to all the other voices and you're not going to follow all the other fads and you're not going to run for your hit for this or that or the other that gives you your little season of uh, pleasure. You know, most of the time, what's going on and what you have to face about yourself is that you're copping out, that you're running from some type of responsibility or some type of, of important thing, and it's easier to just avoid that, to get away from that, and to use your energy and your time running away from. That's what Adam and Eve did, didn't they? The Lord spoke out and the same time, the same place. He's looking for them, calling their names, and finally Adam Amson said, We're over here in the bushes. And uh, we're 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 naked. And the Lord said, Who told you that? Boy, I'd like to ask that question many times. You know, people blah 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 blah. And I'm like, Who told you that? Oh, well, you know, no, no. I really can't say. And I want to say, well, if you really can't say, then you need to shut up. You know, if you're going to shield liars and gossips, people full of hate, and you're going to shield them, you know, then you might better realize what side you're putting yourself on. Everybody said amen. amen. Let's realize that the enemy's going to have his moment. He's going to have his hour. And he's building up to it. You think it's bad now, but it's going to be a lot worse. I'm not a prophet of doom, but I'm telling you what the Bible teaches. And he, he's going to deceive in the midst of it. And he's going, he knows how to, to make it tie, tough and tighten down the screw, so to speak. And then uh, he's going to lighten up a little bit, lighten up a little bit. And oh, people are just going to, ooh, they're going to swoon and they're going to say, this is it. And then the Bible said that's when it's going to really hit. That's when it's going to happen. And people are going to wind up so disappointed because they followed the wrong one. Even to the point that the Bible said they're going to look and they're going to look narrowly upon Satan in the form of the Antichrist. And they're, they're going to say, is this? Is this who we followed? You know, it's going to be such great disappointment. Great disappointment. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. The final analysis, I tell you, no matter how much dirt is kicked up, no matter how many words are put out there, the bottom line is God and His church are going to win. God and His church are going to uh, be on top of this thing. There's going to be a first resurrection. And in the midst of of all of the turmoil and all of the tribulation and possibly wrath, in the midst of it all, and there will be wrath, but I meant as far as the church being somewhere in the vicinity. We will not, we're not appointed to it, but then they weren't appointed to it in Egypt either. They were in the land of Goshen. So whatever way God does it, but there will come that time of the first resurrection, and God will take His church out of here. There will be no light. There will be no uh, restraint, nothing to restrain the corruption 
And I tell you, they will not be able to repent. They will not be able to make the change and make the choice that they'll find out they should have made. It, it'd be like the foolish. Is it not written in Matthew 25 that, that they, they came, friend, and they, they were told, basically, you come too late. You know, we're out of here. And we are going to go out of here. The church is going to go out of here in that first resurrection. And it's going to take place in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Somebody calculated that the twinkling of an eye was about one-fortieth of a second. You know, you can't even say that, and it's already passed. It's quicker. How, how glorious is that going to be? Talk about, you don't, need, you don't need a drug to get out of your troubles. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what you need. You need to realize that. You need that. You get this great experience. You be a part of the body of Christ. You get delivered from the enemy where you don't want his junk anymore. You don't have a desire for that anymore. And you get out of confusion. You come into uh, out of darkness into a marvelous light where you can see things clearly. Jesus prayed for an individual one time and, and because the man was was blind, and at one time he did see, but now he's blind, and blindness overtook him. Darkness overtook him. And uh, I'm sure there was a lot of great memories of when he was able to see. But now he can't see. And Jesus prayed for him. He requested him. Jesus prayed for him. And in praying for him, he asked him, he said, how, how do you see now? And he said, well, I, he said, I see men like trees walking. Well, that's not good enough. You, you can't, I've seen people, you know, just get, like I said, a blessing, get a touch. I've seen people be healed, and they wanted to go on that. Healing is not salvation. Healing is healing, you know. And so the uh, Lord prayed for him again, second time. This time the Bible said he made him look up, and after he prayed for him, then the results was, I see all men clearly. I can see things clearly. I'm, I'm seeing past the, the, the facades and the, the phony, phoniness and the deception and the deceit. I'm seeing past all of that. I'm seeing it clearly. The Bible said Jesus didn't need for anybody to testify to him about man because he knew what was in man. He knew. He knew. For you to not be so gullible, for you not to fulfill that, the, the, the little phrase by P.T. Barnum that there's a sucker born every minute, for you not to be fulfilling that, for you to have good discernment about you. I don't want you to be a cynic. I'm not saying that. But I want you to have good discernment. I want you to, to know light and darkness, the difference the difference between bitter and sweet, to be able to discern between right and wrong, you know. So he went on to say, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee, verse 16, and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? that made the world as a wilderness 
and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners? Oh, friend, I'm so glad that the Lord, He doesn't come to destroy but one thing, and that is the works of the devil, which is sin. That's the only thing He's interested in destroying. He wants you to have, He wants to build you a good life. The Bible said that He went to the cross, teaches you that He went to the cross to prepare a place for you. To prepare a place for you. That there is something better. You can enjoy this life if you get the Holy Ghost. You can enjoy this life if you get baptized in Jesus. You can have the best that there is to have here. And then in the world to come, life everlasting. That's what Jesus said. Let's stand together. Let's stand. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands, and let's love him. I thank you, Jesus Christ, and I praise the oh, holy God. Pray that you will wash us in your blood. Oh, Lord God, that you will give us the joy of thy salvation, and that you'll restore and renew that joy in our lives. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. on and love him while we worship. Let's sing and praise him. Yeah, Lord. Holy Spirit. Yeah. 